trying to head out that way pretty quick. Uh, well, what else can I glean from this? How much deeper can I go? Uh, what other paths of study should I take? You know, how far down this rabbit trail should I go? Uh, and, uh, you know, how bogged down do I want to get? Tonight, we're actually going to look at uh, John, 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. Uh, I'm titling this, The Honest Life, The Honest Life. Last week, we saw uh, the joyful life that kind of is promised to us in those first few verses and looking at the Christian's possibility possibility of that your joy may be full. Well, in order for our joy to be full, we've got to be living an honest life, and uh, that's spelled out for us. Now, each one of these verses could certainly, each one by themselves could be a message in and of themselves. Uh, If you take that truth and just run it to its end and, and really develop it, And so I had to really crunch down and try and move. We're going to have to move quick tonight to get through all of what we have and for me to get done at a decent time. But hopefully we'll be able to get concluded, bring this first chapter at least to a close this evening. Now, if your Bible has any type of study helps, uh, breaks in the chapters, uh, headings, you probably have some type of a heading like my Bible that says that here we're looking at the idea of walking in light. And these uh, verses are teaching that, uh, and you'll see why I entitled it The Honest Life in just a moment. First of all, I want you to see the declaration of character that's given to us here in 1 John chapter number 1 and verse number 5. He says, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you. So we have the declaration here. This declaration that he's giving unto him, notice that it is a declaration that came directly from the horse's mouth, as it were. He says here in verse, verse 5, he says, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you. This is a message that they got from God. It's a message that they're sharing. It was not something, it wasn't hearsay. This was not something that they uh, fabricated in their own heart and mind. It was not something that they just came up with and thought, well, this will sell, so let's say this. No, this was a message that they got from God, and he's declaring it unto them, and he's declaring literally the character of God. He says here that God is light, And in him is no darkness at all. God is light. John chapter 1 and verse number 5, again by the same author, but back in the uh, St. John, the book of John there, he says in chapter 1 verse 4 and 5, he says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. We know that Jesus Christ is light. This is a declaration of the abundance of light. I want you to know tonight that this is the very character of God. God is light. We know from the book of Revelation that in heaven itself, the light that's there is going to be provided by God himself. This is who God is. And as we consider and think about this idea of light tonight, I want you to realize that light does several things. First of all, light is a picture of purity. Absolute pureness, the holiness of God, the purity of God. Light is a picture of that. And we know that in him is no darkness at all. There is not anything uh, impure or any measure of darkness in God at all. Light is a picture of purity. Men love darkness because their deeds are evil, but God is the exact opposite, the antithesis of anything that is darkness. From the beginning of Genesis until the last page of Scripture was penned, 
And from the, from, the, from the day that the last page of Scripture was penned until today, I want you to know that, that darkness has always represented that which is evil. Darkness has always been that way, and light has always represented that which is pure. You know, I have here uh, a marble uh, piece of art that we got in India, and they, they, there's little types of things all over India that are made with this marble. It's, it's unique to that region of India, and uh, it's, it is the marble that the Taj Mahal is made out of. And there is some, actually, the art that's on here is not painted. That's actually different stones that are cut and laid into the marble. And uh, anyways, they showed, they, they showed us that when you go to buy this piece of art anywhere in India, that you need to get a light and you need to shine it on here. Because if you, if you can't see the light through it, then it's fake. It's man-made. If it's real, you'll be able to see light through it. Even though it's stone, the actual real marble allows light to pass through because it's actually many pieces of stone put together and light can pass through it. But if it's man-made, if it's fake, you'll know it's fake because light won't pass through it. That light, I want you to know, beloved, that light reveals truth. Light reveals truth. Not only is light a picture of purity, but light reveals truth. Jesus, God, is self-revealing. He reveals himself to men. Not only does light reveal truth, the truth, the facts about God himself, but light reveals every bit of darkness that's in our life. It reveals the truth that is present, that is there. You can't hide from the light of God. You can't hide from the light of God. That, his light's going to search you out. It's going to find you wherever you're at. Oh, that stain that is masked by the shade is revealed by the light. Back when I was painting cars, um, it's pretty amazing because you'll be painting a car and, and you'll, you'll have the color laid on there and you might have like, let's say, a, a, a light gray car or something and it's got a lot of, a lot of micas and, and uh, pearls in it or something and you're laying that down on this light gray car and it looks awesome. You're like, man, that looks great. Everything, uh, the primer's covered, the base coat's covered, we're ready to put clear coat on. But you learn very quickly that what you have to do, regardless of how much work it is, you have to take all your wheel covers off. You have to back the car down off of the rack. You have to turn the car around so that the part that you painted is in the sun. And you come around and look at it in the sun before you put any clear coat on because that will reveal that you did not get it done right. <laughs> it's amazing how many times in your, in your mind you're like, man, that looks beautiful. Okay, we're ready to go, but I better look at it in the sun. Now, there are some colors that are a lot easier to do if you're dealing with a flat, flat black or a white or something like that. You can get away sometimes without moving it. But especially if you're dealing with a color that's got some different things, you really need to pull it over in the sun because the sun reveals. It reveals actually what the truth is. You can see what is going on. Light gives direction. We know the Bible says in Psalms 119, 105, the word, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Light gives direction. What a privilege to have the light of the word of God to guide us in our life. There are so many Christians that are having such a hard time uh, living the Christian life is because they're living it without the light of the word of God. They're living it without the light that God wants to give them. Light gives you direction. Proverbs 6.23 says, For the commandment, thy commandment is a lamp, and thy law is light. It's light. It gives direction to our life. 
It allows men to find their way. Light allows you to see God and to see God's path and plan for your life. Light gives life through that process of photosynthesis. I mean, you think about if the sun just didn't shine for a couple of months, everything out here living would be dead. Light gives life. And this, the Son of God is the light and spiritual life comes through him. Beloved, it is the declaration of not only the abundance of light, but it is the declaration of the absence of darkness. Darkness is the exact opposite of all that is holy, of all that is pure, of all that is honest, of all that is right, of all that gives life and, and gives direction and that reveals. Darkness is the opposite of that. And there is none of that in God. All darkness leads towards evil. Stephen King, that author of those horror novels, never read any of his works, but I know what genre he writes for. And uh, Stephen King was asked about his writing habits, like when he writes and how long every day and that kind of stuff. And he says he, he always gets up and he writes first thing in the morning. And they asked him, well, we thought maybe you would write at night. And his response to the reporter was, with the kind of stuff I write, you don't want to be writing at night. (laughs) Even he knows. Even he knows that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Those things take place in darkness. Yes. There is no impurity in him. There is no falsehood in him. There is no lying in him. James chapter 1 and verse number 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. You know, I thought about this statement just today, first time in my life, I had a revelation about this verse. The idea of this shadow of turning. And I've never, I don't know, maybe I just never really thought about it before. Never pondered that statement in and of itself. But you know that in God, who is perfect, and he does not change. But as I contemplated and thought about this idea of the shadow of turning, do you know that light shines straight? Um, I have here a quite powerful laser pointer. Um, This would, I could probably put a dot on my house uh, from here. Uh, It's very, very strong. The the green lasers are much stronger than red. uh, So I don't want to shine at you to get anybody's eyes. But do you know that that light, that projection of light is a 100% straight line from here to there? Um, that's why we have laser levels. It, they, you, you set that up and you put a dot. You can, you can put it as far away as you want. As long as you have power to get the light to that point, it's going to be exact from this point. It shines straight. Again, if I could go back to when we were painting cars, uh, the idea here of the shadow of turning, a shadow 
is a turning of the light. That's what creates the shadow. And when you're painting cars, when there's a dent there, the reason that you can see the dent is because now there is a turning of the light. You, you, there is a, a change in how that light is refracted off of that surface. And so when you are going to remove that dent, whether you do it with paintless dent repair or you do it by filling it with Bondo, you set up a light and you look down the surface of that vehicle and when that dent is gone, there will be no more shadow of turning. There will be no more turning of that light. What I'm saying, if we apply that to God, God is perfect. He's straight as an arrow. His light shines true. There is no variableness. There is no shadow of turning. There is no changing of that light. It's as straight and as true as it was the day it first began to shine. And you can count on it to be level and to be right. I thought that was powerful. Listen, God has delivered us from darkness. In Colossians 1, verse number 13, he says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son? As I thought about that idea, if God, if Jesus Christ is light, we could say that Satan is darkness. And God has delivered us from the power of darkness. From the power of Satan. So we see, first of all, here that the declaration of the character of Jesus Christ himself. And then I want you to see the deceitful claim. This is the first of three deceitful claims that are made here. I've given them different points, but there are three of them. There's verse 6, verse 8, and verse 10, which we will look at as we try and get through this quickly. But he says here first, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. This is a deceitful claim. The idea here that's uh, presented is that one might say, my confession is more important than my conduct. And that's a philosophy that's prevalent in society today. It's an idea that people like to talk about. They, they like to say, well, it doesn't really matter how I live on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I mean, as long as I come into God's house, I can stand up and raise my hand and sing Kumbaya and oh, how I love Jesus. And I can, I can claim a fellowship with God that is not real. The Bible says you're deceiving yourself. You've lied. You cannot claim fellowship if you're walking in darkness. Now, there is a difference, beloved. It's very clear here in this text. There's a difference between relationship and fellowship. You can, the reality of the relationship, beloved, is you can have a relationship with God and not be doing right. You understand that? That's certainly true. You can have a relationship. You, once you're a son of God, once you've been adopted into the family of God, I praise God that no man is able to pluck you out of his hand, that your salvation is secure. And although you may not be making your heavenly father hap, not happy, you might be getting him a little bit uh, upset with you and what you're doing, you're not going to lose your salvation. I believe that to be true. But you cannot claim fellowship. Because your fellowship is broken by the conduct in which you live. 
2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? Luke chapter 6, verse 46 says, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? What I'm saying is there's a whole lot of groups of people that gather together on a Sunday and they stand up and they want to claim fellowship with the Father. They want to claim and sing, sing all of the worship songs that are prevalent and popular in society today, but their lives are lives that are lived in darkness. And the Bible says that that's false, that it's a lie. You do not have fellowship with the Father if you're living in, in, dark, in darkness. That's a fact. The reality of the relationship is still there. You may be a child of God. I, I can't know in your heart. That's not something I can see. That's between you and God. But I can tell you very clearly, the Bible states it very simply, very straightforward, that you cannot claim fellowship if you're walking in darkness. Many times, someone whose life is in shambles will come to church and begin to seek some help. Oftentimes, people have to get to the place where they've got nowhere else to turn before they'll turn to God. But you'll find sometimes when people come into God's house, and the first thing we do is we go to them and say, well, do you know the Lord Jesus is your Savior? That's where the Christian life begins. That's where uh, having God come in and meet your needs and to hear your prayers. The first prayer he hears is a sinner's prayer where you repent and trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And sometimes you'll find out that they are actually saved. But they've been walking in darkness. They've been walking in darkness. And beloved, there are a lot of Christians that are struggling with this Christian life and they're dealing with, with battles and things that they're looking at and say, man, why is this so difficult and why is this so hard? It's because they've lost the joy of fellowship because they're walking in darkness instead of walking in light. John says that you're lying to yourself. To walk in darkness, beloved, is to deny the light. Have you ever thought to yourself, you walk into the living room at home or the kitchen, and in your heart and mind you think, I have been in this room 10,000 times. I don't need to turn the light on. <laughs> I know where the coffee table is. <laughs> and you're walking through that room, and then what happens? Oh, oh, man, I should have just turned the light on. Now you got a big old bruise, and the older we get, the, the longer it takes for them to heal. They have dumb little scratch, and three weeks later, it's still bleeding on your socks. You're like, this is ridiculous. You guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Matt, your day's coming. <laughs> yeah, you, you look at that, and you just think, man, I, I thought I knew. You see, you denied the light. That light was there. It was available to you. All you had to do is hit the switch and you could have seen where you needed to go because light gives guidance. Light reveals things to us and God has light for us to be able to live our Christian lives. But we live as though there is no light. We live as though God has not shown us what to do. And then we stand back and say, why are things such a mess? They're a mess because we're living like there's no light. As a child of God, beloved, I'm not supposed to have any darkness in me. 
John 8, 12 says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Ephesians 5, 8 says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Beloved, we're to walk as children of light. We're not supposed to be walking in darkness. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 4 and 5 says, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, as children of the day. We're not of the night, nor of darkness. But you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's what God has done for us. He's turned the light on. Why are we still living in darkness? Why are we choosing to do that? It's a deceitful claim. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. You know, it doesn't matter if you come to a good, independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, pre-millennial, you know, heaven-exalting and hell-dethroning Bible-preaching church. You can still be walking in darkness. You can still be walking in darkness. Are you deceiving yourself? Then I want you to see here the delightful certainty. Verse number seven. I love how God gives us in this passage. He kind of gives us a, he gives us a good strong blow of truth. And then he, he follows it up with, with a little compassion here. He says, but if you walk in the light as he is in the light... We have fellowship one with another, and behold, and, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. He says, hey, you don't have to walk in darkness. God is light, and he has provided light for you, and you can walk in light. Just walk in light, and he says, here is a certainty. As he is in light, we have fellowship one with another. You can have that fellowship if you walk in the light. Walking in light means holiness. Light means purity. Light means doing that which he's revealed unto us. You know, if we walk in the light, we have both relationship and fellowship. Walking in the light changes our character. Because walking in the light reveals that darkness that's in us. That's one of the reasons we don't like to walk in the light. Because as we're walking in the light, you get up in the morning and you, and, you, and you get the word of God and you begin to read the word of God and, and, and God begins to reveal some things to you. And here's the thing. What's the old saying? This book is going to keep you from sin or sin is going to keep you from this book. That's what it is. And it's so true because you look at that and God, the light of his word shines down into your heart and says, oh, look at this little bit of darkness here. And you say to yourself, well, I'm not sure I want to deal with that. And so tomorrow morning, I'm not going to get up and read that light. I'm not going to let that light shine because I don't want to deal with the conviction. We're going to deny that that light is present. 
because I want to continue to hold on to and have what I have. But he says, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship. Walking in the light reveals the darkness. There was a boy asked in Sunday school one day, what is a saint? Thinking back to his recent trip to Europe, where they had the privilege to tour many grand, uh, majestic cathedrals. He thought about those huge, magnificent stained glass windows of all of the saints. And in his literal mind, he thought, well, what is a saint? Only saints he had ever seen were there. And he said, a saint is one whom God shines light through. And he didn't realize how true that was. If we're walking in the light, God's light is shining through us to this world. Not only will your character change, but your companions are going to change. What does he say there? He says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship. What does it say? One with another. You see, it's a natural byproduct of walking in the light. You're going to begin to fellowship with other people that are walking in the light. You're going to enjoy spending time with them. You're going to begin to fellowship with them. You're going to enjoy talking about the things of God and, and what he's doing in your heart and in your life and, and how God has spoke to you in, in, in your devotions and what God has done is you've been a witness to somebody over here or have, you've had the privilege of passing a track out here and, and, and you begin to share those truths with other people that are walking in the light and it's the joy of having fellowship one with another. It cultivates that fellowship with each other. And he says it's because Christ's blood cleanseth us from all sin. And I give you a couple of verses just by way of encouragement. John one twenty nine says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 1 Peter 2.24 says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. Beloved, he cleanses us from all sin. Matthew 1.21 and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. We have new life in Christ. That is the delightful certainty that your sins can be forgiven, that we have the ability to walk in light. We just see the second deception here in verse number 8. We have the denied conviction, is what I've titled this, the denied conviction. He says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. It's a denial of the conviction of the Spirit of God. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. John is dealing here, first of all, with the belief that the Gnostics had, the idea that everything of spirit is good and everything of flesh or physical is evil. And so there was the, the idea that as a Gnostic, if I believe that everything of spirit is good and everything of, of physical is evil, there's not really, and the two can never touch, that there really is not a matter, my spirit is 100% good, 
good and my flesh is 100% evil, but the two don't touch and there really is nothing for me to be convicted about because my spirit is 100% good. This, of course, is a false doctrine. But beloved, today is not called Gnosticism. What today people say is they say things like this. Just because you think it's wrong doesn't make it wrong. That's how they like to present it today. Well, that's how you feel about it. But that's not how I look at it. You see, today they make truth a matter of opinion. And as long as they make it a matter of opinion, then any, can, any man can live however they want without sin. Because if my opinion is what sets the standard, then obviously anything I'm doing is okay. Anybody more spiritual than me is just a fanatic, and anybody less spiritual than me, they're, they're of course sinners. But since I'm the standard, what I'm doing is okay. They don't literally say that, but that's literally what they are saying. When they don't want to feel any conviction from anybody else, you know they like to say, don't judge me. You know, it's amazing. The matter of fact, the shocking reality is, is that any moral absolutes have been cut off at the knees. The only truth is that what is the truth that individuals feel is based on their own experience. Actually, the only thing that's accepted as sin today is trying to say someone else is wrong because of your personal beliefs. That's the only sin. The only thing that's a sin is for me to look at Brother Hunt and say, hey, Brother Hunt, blue shirts are sinful. Obviously, blue shirts aren't sinful because Matt's wearing one. So they can't be sinful because Matt wouldn't be wearing a blue shirt. <laughs> no, I mean, just saying it's the idea, you know, really, I guess you could say it like this. The only sin today that's accepted as sin is the sin of intolerance. Where you don't want to just tolerate anybody else's sin. That's what he's saying here in this verse. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We've got a lot of people that are deceived. They lie and say they have no sin. They're in darkness. They can no longer see it. What does God say? In Ecclesiastes 7, verse number 20, he says, For there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. He said, hey, everybody sins. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Right? That's what God says about it. We will never, beloved, be completely free from this flesh until we get to glory. But it is possible for us to sin less and less as we begin to line up with the truth of God's word. As we begin to line up with what God has for us. If we walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But it's the truth of God, not our own truth, not our own established morality, 
not our standards, but the convicting word of God that challenges us. Then we see a detailed cleansing in verse number nine. This is probably the most familiar verse of this passage of scripture. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I, I really like the title of this point that God gave me, the detailed cleansing, because it's so applicable to all of this verse. The idea of the detail Beloved, he says here, if we confess our, what's the next word? Sins, right? With an S, plural. If we confess our sins. You see, it's pretty easy for us, especially as good Christians, to generalize. Well, I understand God and I know that I'm a sinner. Therefore, Lord, will you forgive me of all my sins? But I believe that we are to confess our sins. Each sin. And there are some that you're unaware of, and you can confess those as, Lord, for all those things that I don't even know I did. Amen. But you've got a list of things that you know you did. And I think God wants us to acknowledge them, that is to come into agreement with God regarding our sin. This is what we're talking about, the honest life here before God. Living honestly before God is being in agreement with God regarding our sin. Confessing that, acknowledging that, being detailed about it. One of our greatest problems in Christianity today is that we, can, we continually determine to conceal that which should be confessed. But if we're going to be honest, we're going to confess each sin before God. We're going to come into agreement with Him regarding what's in our life. This is an outflowing of what we've already seen in this passage thus far. The, the, the complete denial of, of that, uh, oh, no, I haven't sinned. I'm not a sinner. Uh, no, I have fellowship with the Father, even though I'm walking in darkness. No, he's saying you've got to get honest with God. Get honest with God and let him see you come into agreement with him regarding how you view, view what it is that you have in your life. And if we confess... He says, he'll forgive you. He'll forgive you. Forgiveness, beloved, is what Christ paid for on the cross. I'm glad tonight that our forgiveness is not based upon the eloquence of our confession. I'm glad that I don't have to, to, to come and, and, and ask for forgiveness in some, some eloquent way, or I don't have to know Latin or Greek to be able to be forgiven of my sin, that I can come to the Father humbly and just confess, just come into agreement with Him regarding the sin that's in my life. And if I confess it, He says He is faithful and He is just to forgive us of our sin. <coughs> but, beloved, not only that, what else does He say? He says He'll forgive you of your sin, but He'll also what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Beloved, the forgiveness is what Jesus Christ paid for on the cross. 
That's under the blood. But he goes beyond that. And he says he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He'll remove the stain of sin that's in your life. Listen, if we'll stop denying the inherent sinful nature that we have and just confess the fact of our sin before an almighty God, he says he'll forgive and cleanse. The songwriter said, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. To know the forgiveness. But you got to get honest with God. You got to just lay it out there. You just got to say, here's what it is. And we see in verse number 10 here, a disclosed contradiction. This would be the third deception of the three deceptions we see in this passage of scripture. The first deception in verse number six is somebody saying my confession is not as important as my conduct. The second in verse number eight says my confession is not as important as my conviction. And here we see him say that my confession is more important than my character. He says if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. This is in my mind and heart as I studied this out. It seemed like almost a, just a, a repeat of, of the other two. In, in which ways does this, does this differ? The idea here is that the word of God is true. Let God be true and every man a liar. He says, if we are willing to say that we have not sinned, it is a contradiction of what God has already stated. It's a contradiction of the truth that is given to us in the word of God because the word of God says that all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. The word of God is very clear that no man is without sin and that God is perfect. And so we have this contradiction here. Men today, they deceive themselves and say this. They do this today by relabeling sin. We want to look at everything as somebody else's problem. We lay the blame for our sinful heart at the feet of somebody else. You see this happen all the time when you'll see like a mass shooting in a school. Some months down the road, those people will be in court and you'll hear the the court, the uh, lawyers arguing. Ultimately, there'll be some ruling and they find out that, well... This boy grew up in adverse circumstances. He grew up in a home that wasn't kind to him. He's living with a lunch of unresolved pain. And so that is why he did what he did. He shouldn't be held accountable for his actions. That's what the world likes to do today. We want to relabel it. Call it something else. You'll see all of these addictions being given names, medical names, instead of just calling them sin. They deny the fact or contradict the truth of sin when they condone 
situational ethics instead of just observing the truth. Situational ethics, and, in, and everybody says they do not believe in situational ethics until it's their situation that we're dealing with. <laughs> and then that's when they'll say, well, you don't understand my situation. Well, either it's right, and it's right, because it's right, or it's wrong, because it's wrong. The situation does not determine whether it's right or wrong. But we have over-evaluated our practices as Christians today to the point where we can explain away just about any sin based on the situation. There's a lot of rabbits in my mind right now, a lot, of, a lot of rabbit trails, but we are out of time. You know this is a problem today. The situational ethics. And that's, that's how, oh no, that's not sin. No, I, I didn't do wrong. Because this and this and this. Well, either it's right or wrong. Beloved, although we've been given a new nature We have a new nature in Christ that cannot sin. We still have an old nature that cannot do anything but sin. And these two are at war, one with the other. We know that on our best day, we still fall short of the glorious perfection of God. I'm not going to get into it, but if you have your Bibles open still, would you look to 1 John chapter 2 and verses 1 and 2? 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Here's the thing. He says, listen, again, he doesn't leave us without hope. He says, yep, you've got a sinful nature. That's a fact. Okay, you are a sinner. Don't, don't deny it. Get honest with God. And he says, and when, when you sin, because it's going to happen, but he says, when you sin, what does he say here? In 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, he says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. He says, And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteousness. And he is the propitiation for our sin. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So he pretty clearly there says, hey, I write this unto you that you sin not. He's saying this is not meant to be any excuse for you just to say, well, we're all sinners. Nothing we can do about it. We're just sinners. So I'm going to sin. Oh, well. No, no. He says, you sin not. He said, but try as you might. When you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. And he goes before the Heavenly Father on your behalf and declares unto God not your worthiness, but his. For he is the propitiation for our sin. Some amazing truths there. I'm looking forward to getting into chapter 2 and digging into that a little bit more.